Amen. David. Everybody say David. David. What a life of drama. What a life of drama. Um, do, when I was at the, at the mentorship session I talked about earlier on, I got an email from one of my colleagues, um, the creative people, the people that do all these um, videos and, you know, multimedia stuff. Oh, that, Pastor, what is the next series so that we can begin to work on it? And I replied that, I don't know, you know. I don't know. And I asked the Lord, and nothing. And but one day, one of the mornings, we're having devotion, and we're just worshiping Jesus. And, you know, you get to that point in worship that it becomes conversational, you know. And, you know, and God was telling me, the next series is David. X-ray David. I'm excited about it, you know, because this is the first time in eight years of pastoring that I will be led to teach about David. Even though David is one of my favorite characters outside of Jesus. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited because I know that God is going to change our lives. Your life and my life. With his word in the mighty name of Jesus. If you think that your life has drama, just look at the life of David. From the day he was even conceived. Psalm 51. In sin did my mother conceive me. Drama. <laughs> to the day he was born. His childhood is, I mean, teenage years. His family life. When he was in his father's house. Even when he started his own family. The house was filled with drama. Even on the on his deathbed, drama. They had to bring a virgin to keep David warm. <laughs> oh God, David. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And you see, but what we are going to see by the help of the Holy Spirit is what separates David from the pack. What separates David from the other kings, from, from, from Saul, from Asa, from Jehoshaphat, from, from every other king, that, from Solomon that ascended the throne? What made David's legacy last? That Jesus is referred to as the son of David. Praise the name of the Lord. What made David go through all the drama in his life and still stood strong. What, what, what is that thing? God is going to unveil us in these um, few weeks that we're going to be looking at David. Amen. David means, simply means beloved or are beloved or in context of the Lord, it means the beloved of the Lord. David simply means the one that God loves. Praise the name of the Lord. 
First Samuel chapter 16. This first part of this series is titled In Comes David. You know, it's, dra- it's like a drama. So this is Act 1, Scene 1. <laughs> Act 1, Scene 1, In Comes David. Everybody say, In Comes David. In Comes David. First Samuel chapter 16, I read from verse 1 to 13. Um, if they put it up on the screen, that would be great. If you read along with me, um, that would be awesome. Also, if you don't have New Living Translation, you can read on the screen. I read. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king over Israel, king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Who will show Verse 4, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look. It was a one look. Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei, but Samuel said, which is Shammah, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still this, the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. 
So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So, as David stood there, in comes who? Among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Mara. This is a phenomenal story. The, the, the first thing that jumps at me here is, is the fact that God can change his mind. You see, it, it is not, it's A-levels. Everybody say A-levels. People, Christians in kindergarten can't understand what I'm teaching you today. God can change his mind. God said to Samuel, Saul, if you check when God called Saul, God said to Saul, Saul, you're, you are going to reign over my people and your children. But God changed his mind. God says, I have repented myself. Useless boy. By the way, um, uh, because of time, I, was, I, was, I, I, I need to say something. There's someone in this place that God told you to do something. You did it. But you just did it because the Lord told you to do it. Out of obedience. Listen. God says I should tell you that he's going to reveal his right hand because you obeyed him. I don't know who that person is. That was earlier on anyway. I just felt I should say it at this point. Now, so... Made a mistake. God changed his mind and rejected Saul. I'm praying today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the glorious destiny that God has for you, that you will not make a mistake, that God will change his mind. Now, guys, listen, listen. I know there's a lot of stuff going up out around there, out there. You know, that you can live your life any way you want to live it. <laughs> they want to kill you, but they will fail. <laughs> In Jesus' name. You can't. The love of Christ constrains us. Everybody say constrains us. Samson. Let me give you another example of God changing his mind. God said to Samson. In fact, it was not a prophet. It was an angel that said to the parents, this boy is going to be a Nazarene to the day of his death. God never said, this boy is going to grind corn for the Philistines. Samson kept pushing the boundary. He kept sleeping with a prostitute. Nothing happened. He kept being like a sports brat. Nothing happened. Over and over until they cut off his locks. Took out his eyes. 
and he began to grind. Jesus, the Bible says in John 3, I think 17 to 19, that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. The people that tell you it's just grace, they are lying. Next week, we'll, we'll look into that, the secret of David. Next week, the secret of David. David understood that God has grace and, and truth. But that's not the secret of David. But next week, look at the secret of David. God changes his mind. The Jews... Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him. But God changed his mind and says, I am going to open the salvation to the Gentiles and I'm going to provoke you. God can change his mind. Shall I give you more examples? <laughs> let's, let's just move on. Maybe when we do Bible study, I mean, house fellowship, we'll go deeper. That's the first thing that jumps at us. I, I know people that, listen, why are we on this? I know people that God said, this is the person you're going to marry. God said it to them. In fact, there's, a, there's, a, there's someone, you probably know him also. God said to him, this is the person you're going to marry. And the, the man said, ah, ah, this girl with a big mouth, she can talk too much. I'm a boy. And got home. And I said to himself, ah, well, let him, he doesn't know what God wants to do. That God, I'm sorry. God says, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you my daughter again. She's a boy. God changed his mind. And several other examples. But for time. Now, that's the first thing that jumps at us. The second thing that, is, that jumps at us here is that God can set up a plot. God can set up a plot. God does not always deliver by might. Sometimes God delivers by wisdom. Samuel said, Saul will kill me if he heard that I, come, I, I came to Ramah. No, I came to Bethlehem. To do this. God says, don't worry. Take a heifer. Say you are doing sacrifice. I say, God. <laughs> but, again, that's not where we are going. I just said, we need to mention that. The third thing that jumps at us is that the number one prophet in the land, Samuel, almost made a mistake. Samuel almost made a mistake. Now, carnality is a very dangerous thing. What is it to be carnal? To be carnal simply means to make decisions based on your senses. What you can smell, what you can feel, what makes you feel good, what, you know, that's just what carnality is. The prophet was about to be carnal. He looked at Eliab and said what? This is the Lord's anointed. He was making the judgment based on his physical senses, his sense of sight. 
And God said, no. You make the decision from your spirit, Samuel. Why? Because what I want to do in your life, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. In other words, the senses have not even perceived what God wants to do with you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you cannot canal. Say to your neighbor, you cannot avoid the canal. The next thing that jumps at us is that God selected David. God jumped, jumped Eliab, jumped Abinadab, jumped Shama, jumped four other, and selected David. For God to do that, God said concerning Eliab, I have already rejected him. I'm praying today that that will not be your testimony from God. In Jesus' name. God, God, God said to, to, to Samuel, that one, uh, I've already rejected him. What made David acceptable? And made Eliab detestable. What is that thing that, that makes us irresistible to God? I'm praying that God will reveal it to us in Jesus' name. And God went on and on and, and selected David. You know, the good news for you and I is that God knows how to locate you. He does. He knows how to locate you. Many times you get anxious. Oh, maybe my time passed. Oh, maybe I've missed my opportunity. Listen, listen. Your time will not pass. <laughs> God is going to jump the Eliab, the Abinadab, the Shama, and pick you. Praise the name of the Lord. He will. And that is why he's sending this message now. The next thing that jumps at us is a derivative of someone almost making a mistake. Man judges on the outward appearance. But God Judges the heart. So, if you must impress people, then you must take care of your appearance. If you are going for a job interview, who do you want to impress? Angels. They are people, right? So, so what should you do? Have a good bath. Brush that teeth. Don't go and spray them. These things sound so simple, but they are so powerful. If somebody comes to you and wants to sell something to you, maybe you, you want to consider buying that thing, and the person opens his mouth and just washes you with some perfume. What would you do? Everyone say, man, looks at the outward appearance. Ladies, 
That's the key for you. Men, men. They look on the outward appearance. Say, but pastor, I want to marry a spiritual man. Exactly. A spiritual Not a spiritual angel. <laughs> now, now, of course, if you listen to me in context, you know that I'm, I'm by no means saying everything is physical, right? But you cannot just be shabby. You can't. Why? You know, because like my wife used to say to me, I mean, back in the day when we first started pastoring, you know, I could wear my tie facing Sokoto, you know. And my wife said, baby, wait. I said, no! It is the anointing. <laughs> and my wife kept telling me, you know, and it changed my life. Everybody said, thank God for a good wife. <laughs> she kept saying to me, Femi, people will see you before they hear you. People will see you before they hear you. If you have used your tithe or slap their face, they will not hear the gospel you have to preach. I say, no, no, no. Something more than gold. <laughs> the spirit of God in the heart of man is something more than gold. My focus entirely was that. But I've grown, haven't I? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, but, but if you must impress God, you have to take care of your heart. You see, God is not interested in the car you drive. The make of the designer of the shirt you are wearing. He's not interested. If you must get God's attention, you have to take care of what? Of your heart. You have to take care of your heart. In verse 11, the word of God says, Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons that you have? Are these all the sons that you have? Now, everybody that, and every Christian operates in some form of prophetic um, 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 levels, and every Christian should. Everybody that operates in the prophetic Understands this struggle. God has said to you, go there. There's a son there that is going to be a king. And you go there, you look at all the sons and none of them is the king. And you're like, are these all the sons? I remember long ago, there was a lady that, she loves the Lord really, really. And she kept saying, oh, there's every time for a couple of weeks, she has the same dream. And in the dream, some man will put his leg on her neck and she will choke to life. You know? Consistently. And we went to the place we prayed. And as we were praying, I felt God was saying that there is a, like an idol here. So, Without thinking, I just said it. Oh, there's an idol here. Where is it? And she looked at me. Which idol? <laughs> I'm a Christian. My husband is a Christian. There's no idol anywhere. 
I was like, I was totally embarrassed. I was like, God, are you trying to set me up again? <laughs> I was like, really? So I was like, okay, maybe I, maybe I missed it. So I put, my tail was between my legs already. I was going to just go out sheepishly. I said, oh, okay, 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 okay. There's this, uh, we went to um, the Bahamas and we brought this um, figurine under our bed. And she brought out that image, wooden image. And it was a warrior with the leg on the neck of his prey. And we burnt it and that was the end of the dream. Now, everybody that's you're going to operate in the prophetic, you must be comfortable with not knowing everything. Yes, you have to be comfortable with not knowing everything. The only person that knows everything is who? It's God. You have to be comfortable. You see, some people, that's why they don't even develop their, their work with God. Why? Because they want to know everything at the same time. You can't! You can't! It's going to give you line upon line, precept upon precept. He said to Samuel, I will show you. If I tell you the name now, you quickly go around and go and publish it. No, go there first. Then I will show you. Praise the name of the Lord. And many of us, God has said, you are going to get married to this man. And he's told you about the man. And the years have passed. And you are saying, are these all the men? I have good news for you today. David is coming. Believe me. And I hope somebody just receives that in Jesus' name. For some people, it's a job. God has given you the prophetic word, a job. And you've looked at all the jobs. And you're like, are these all the songs that you have? Are these all the jobs that I have? I'm here to say to you, David is coming. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 11, continuing verse 11. <laughs> you can feel the reluctance in the voice of Jesse. You can feel the reluctance. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out. He's watching. You know, why do you want to worry about the nonentity? And, and the word youngest there is, 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 is a Hebrew word, katant, K-A-T-A-N. It just simply means little, insignificant, small. So the, the way the father of David described David was what? Insignificant. <laughs> you see, you may not look like it, but greatness resides in you. Praise the name of the Lord. You may look insignificant. In fact, the summation of, of people's of, um, opinion about you could be Katan. When the children were saying, Great, greater is he that is in me, you know, just so, so, so apt and accurate. You may look at yourself it may not even be a Jesse 
your father that is putting you down. You may even look at yourself and you're like, what, what is this? Good news, greatness resides inside there. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at Samson. Samson. Unlike the artistic representation of Samson that Christian literature has portrayed as somebody that was that is big and muscular and all that stuff, Samson was very skinny and didn't have muscle. How do I know? Read the Bible. If Samson was muscular, would they be asking him, where's your power? Samson was not muscular. Delilah would not be troubling him. Where's your power? Where's your power? Where's your power? Samson was ordinary. You may look ordinary, but the extra is in you. And it will make you extra ordinary. It will. If you are clapping for Jesus, that's a good place to clap. Praise the Lord. And the drama continues. And, and um, Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Now, you need to understand this. For Samuel to come into a city, the elders of the city are afraid. It came on and out. The elders were afraid. Did you come peaceably? Now, for that Samuel to now say, we are not going to sit down until this boy comes. Do you know the pandemonium that has happened right there? Everybody was looking for who? Everybody was looking for David. Everybody. And I'm prophesying today. The same way there's a frantic effort to search out David. Heaven will command there to be a such party for you. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah. Jesse sent for him. He was dark. Handsome. Beautiful eyes. <laughs> and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. David was dark. What? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not necessarily, not necessarily dark like, like uh, some people are looking at. I'm looking straight. You know, the Semites, um, the Jewish people, are, they have light skin. They are like white kind of. Um, David was like reddish, exactly. He was like, he was like half cast. I'm going to explain that soon. So, David, what others do, and now listen to this, what other people do and get away with, David will do, and he will go free. Saul touched a priestly responsibility. He lost his kingdom. David did not only touch the... David would say, give me an effort. 
and a tumin, and David will consult. David will say, you will give me bread. Bafu, let me chop. David ate the bread that was for the priest, and nothing happened. He wiped his mouth. Nothing happened. Little advice. Some people, don't copy them. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm just remembering some things some pastors said to me some years ago. But we'll go there. What territories that others enter into and they lose their heads, David enters into and comes out with the head of the enemy. There's something about this David. His whole family, elders of Bethlehem, the prophets, all of them standing. And David strolled in. And all of them were at attention. There's something. There's, there's something that and we need to get today for starters about David. The key to the Samuels of this world, the elders of Bethlehem, the Jesses of this world, as in the father of, of, of David, his brothers, his seven brothers, his sisters, his mother, all the concubines in the house, the key to all of them standing still for David to come in is in one thing. And the key is in where David was coming from. Now, follow me. The key to Samuel standing still David's father, elders of Bethlehem, and David was ushered in, is wrapped in where David was coming from. Where was, where was David coming from? Where was he coming from? From obscurity. From the wilderness. How you handle obscurity Determine how far you will go in life. How you handle obscurity. How you handle rejection. The season of obscurity. How well you can handle the rejection of men determines how far you will go. Let me explain. Where was David's mother? Now, think about it. When they say that the prophet is coming, bring all your sons. If the father forgets, will mothers forget? Where was David's mother? Where was David's mother? She was there. And one of three things could have happened. The Bible didn't tell us. But there's been a lot of research. I've read all sorts of volumes on what happened. 
some school of thought says that David's mother was an African woman. And Jesse had an affair. That was why David's skin was dark. And it was like an outcast in the family. Another school of thought says that um, um, David, I'm going to summarize this. David came from the maid of the wife in the house. So, David was still, there was still a question mark. Then the third school of thought says, the wife in the house, the mother of Eliab, um, Abinadab, Shama, had an affair and brought David into the house. But whatever the scenario, David said in Psalm 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. There was something, there was, something was messed up from the beginning. We don't know the details, but David had a question mark. And that plagued him. If you read Psalm 69, please read it when you get home. You will see David lamenting. He says, they made me pay back what I did not steal. When David comes back from the wilderness and something gets missing in the compound, guess who they will say stole it? David. He's there. Psalm 69. David says, I could not speak peaceably with my brothers. Now, I'm trying to explain this to you. Some of us, we think that we are ostracized. We think that we are rejected. We think that we are in a wilderness. Nobody wants to associate with us. That's not the end of your life. That's not the end of your life. The God that singled out David. Oh, come on. You are the next on the line. Praise the name of the Lord. In sin. <clears throat> So he used the season of his obscurity. It's not just his obscurity. He used the season of, the, of his obscurity to develop a solid relationship with God. David used the season of his obscurity to develop a solid relationship with God. He was not bitter. David could have been bitter. When did David, where did David learn how to war? Where? In the wilderness. A bear came. He fought the bear. A lion came. He fought the lion. David did not say. All the other children are in the house playing. I'm the one. They, said, they actually sent David out to die. The same way David sent Uriah to die. Why? David's father, Jesse, was the head of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin? Yeah. In other words, he was like the chief judge of Israel. He wasn't a farmer. If they kept sheep and goats, it was not, on the, it was not to sustain them. 
So it was not the key business of the family. So they have some. They say David take is that wilderness, the one that has lion. Go. He killed the lion. He says, okay, that one that has bear. Maybe not the training like that. But it's just one animal out of the house. <clears throat> but David triumphed. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You will triumph. In the mighty name of Jesus. David did not allow it to kill him. Watch your heart. What you do in your days of obscurity determines the foundation of your significance. What you do in your day of obscurity. Everybody will go through a season of obscurity. Everybody that will be great. Everybody that will be great will know the pain of rejection. If you have a great future and you have not been rejected, keep living. Everybody that will be great must experience that pain. It's like, it's like a companion of greatness. But David did one thing that we can learn from in obscurity. David kept loving God. David kept loving God. The glory and the lifter of my head is, 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 is alone in the wilderness. He's not grumbling. He's not complaining. If the lion came and David allowed the lion to take one lamb and David ran home and says, oh, my father, the lion came, attacked us, but I escaped. Is that a good story for a boy? A good father should rub his head that smart boy, right? But David said, no, I'm going to kill this lion. (laughs) He had his heart in the right place. In spite of the rejection. How was he able to do it? Simple. Intimacy with God. The intimacy he had with God healed him. The intimacy he had with God made him whole. You are going to go through the wilderness. There's no shortcut. You are going to go through it. What you will do in the wilderness will determine the foundation of your significance. Nobody can circumvent the wilderness. At least we are going to be great. Praise the name of the Lord. So David, intimacy with God made him whole. It made him whole. There was no offense in his heart. How do I know that he didn't have any offenses with his, against his father and his brothers? Because David allowed them to go tax-free. When he killed Goliath, and he said his father's house will not pay tax. If he had bitterness, what would he say? Let them pay uh, who we know. (laughs) Who is the beloved now? Not David. Not David. David did not have, I mean, and this is I'm bringing out, they are, they are the rocks that destroy the hearts of men. 
by the Spirit of God, if you take care of them, you'll be amazed at what will happen to your life. He didn't have inferiority complex. No inferiority complex. Most people, a lot of people rather, that go through extreme rejection like this have serious inferiority complex. Serious inferiority complex. They cannot, they cannot even look their brothers in, in the eye. Even when they leave home, they react to things out of inferiority complex. Not David. How do I know? When, when he needed to have a, have a confrontation with Eliab, he looked Eliab in the eye. Eliab said, you have come again. You have come again. Eh? What's happening to all these sheep? You know that story now? Goliath. I know you, proud little brat. David looked at him and said, is there not a cause? Why are all of you sitting down in the tent like cowards? No inferiority complex. That is what being in the presence of God does to you. Someone says, if you can kneel before God, you can stand before. The third thing that comes from intimacy with God, I mean, in the case of people that are suffering serious, intense rejection, is no superiority complex. Not only will you not have inferiority complex, you will not have superiority complex. A lot of people, when they come out of that season of rejection, I'm usually shocked how they treat other people that are going through exactly the same thing they went through. Let him suffer. I worked for my money. Have you heard that before? God delivered you from something. And you see somebody else going through the same thing and you think you are what? Superior to the person. Praise the Lord. Even the little Egyptian boy David stopped and fed him and helped him. Why? Because David knew what it is to just be left alone in the wilderness to die. Then, fourthly, David's intimacy with God healed him completely and David was able to open his heart for covenant relationships. Some people, when they go through rejection and pain, they are suspicious of everybody. God brings people into their lives. People that will help them reach their destiny. And they are what? Suspicious. God brings Jonathans into their lives. Instead of them to embrace Jonathan and, 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 and strike that covenant relationship, they say, hmm, he can sell me out to Saul to kill me. They begin to conjure up theories that don't exist. It's a sign that they've not utilized that season. Praise the name of the Lord. Embracing God. So pursue intimacy with God. Regardless of where you are, pursue what? Intimacy with God. Pursue intimacy with God. God said concerning David, I have found a man after my heart. 
What will God say about you? God said concerning David, to Samuel, I have found a man that is passionately in love with me. You see, a lot of us want to use God. Why? Because we have heard that the people that are God's friends, they do things and they get away with. Then we say to God, I'm your friend. So that I can do things and get away with. God cannot be mocked. How do you know you are God's friend? It's simple. You are, you are God's friend when how God feels about something is important to you. They say, no, this thing is not a sin. It's not an issue whether it's a sin or not. An issue is, will God be happy with me if I do this? They say, yeah, pastor, show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible where they say that... Uh, you cannot smoke 10 packets of cigarettes. Show me in the Bible, Pastor. I may not be able to show you in the Bible. But is God happy with you? Praise the name of the Lord. David became a friend of God. Question to you, does that really matter to you? Do you want to become a friend of God? Do you want to become, do you really, really want to become a friend of God? Please ask your neighbor, do you really want to become a friend of God? Really, 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 really. Some people are indifferent. Say, friend of God, why? (laughs) But I, I believe most of us really want to become friends of God. And there are levels of relationship with God. The ultimate is to be his friend. The lowest level is to be a bond servant, right? Then the next level is to be a servant. Then the next level, third level, okay, let me start again. First level is what? Bond servant. Bond servant. Then next level is what? Servant. Then the next level is what? To be a child, to be an heir of God. Then the next level is what? Oh, it's there. It's on the screen. Son. Not every child is a son. You can be an heir and you're not a son. You're not entitled. You don't enter into the inheritance. But not every son is a friend. Not every son is a friend. Who am I that you are mindful of me? You know that song? That you hear me when I come thinking of me how you Love me. me. Everybody sings and everybody jumps. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. 
You see, friendship with God cannot be commanded. You cannot command that you are a friend of God and so shall it be. In Jesus' name. I want to leave you this morning with a hunger to pursue real friendship with God. Don't be satisfied by knowing a friend of God. Don't be satisfied that your wife is a friend of God. Don't be satisfied that your husband is a friend of God. I'll, I'll leave you with the craving of to pursue f- real friendship with God. You know, and I explained some years ago. A, 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 a young man whose elder brother is my friend, apparently we're on the same flight. And that flight almost collapsed, almost crashed. We were in free fall for at least 30 seconds. And that 30 seconds was like, and we're going through what the pilot described as a lightning mine. If you sit beside the window, it's likely we just pass beside us. In other words, anyone can strike us. We had to go and park in Togo for like four hours when we weathered that storm. Then his, 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 my friend, who is his senior brother, was telling me that, oh, my junior brother was on that flight that you were in. I said, really? He says, you know, when there was chaos, people were shouting, Jesus! People, people, one guy that had the Ogoguru, <laughs> his voice was the loudest. <laughs> but my friend said, his junior brother said that, I, I didn't know he was there. He said that he saw me this, this guy is here. This plane is not going to crash. <laughs> no. no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I am not by any means saying that because I was there, that was why the plane did not crash. I'm just telling you a story. A true story. Do you understand? <laughs> so he said to, to, to his brother that, but he was watching me. Everybody was shouting. Everybody, that he, that he didn't shout. He just closed his eyes. I said, oh, correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> and after a while, he opened his eyes and he was just there, calm. And I said to my friend, that wouldn't it have been lovely if that were a milestone of friendship to God? That somebody can look at you and say, that, oh, this play will not catch because you are there, right? Let's just assume that's the milestone. I'm not saying it is. Wouldn't it have been lovely for him to be able to say for himself that because I am in this plane, this plane will not crash. That's 
that's what I'm talking about. God, God wants us to pursue that friendship with him by ourselves. Verse 12, as a roundup. So Jesse sent for him, David, and Isaac handsome with a beautiful eye, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask. He stood amongst who? The same people that will not talk peaceably with him. You heard Ngozi's testimony. The lady from South Korea. The same people that mocked you, will celebrate you. Because they will not have a choice. As someone anointed him, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Mara. So when David is writing Psalm 23, and he's saying, Thou, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. For 16, 17 years, they fought David in the house. But you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That can be your story today. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You need to know this God. By yourself. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. It's not enough that your mother is a prayer warrior. It's not enough that God has a plan for you. You have to draw near to this God. I want to pray with you. You're saying, Pastor, that is me. That is me, Pastor. That is me. I am far from God. I need to take my first step in becoming a friend of God this morning. I, I want to pray with you wherever you are. You don't need to come forward but wherever you are seated right there I'm going to pray with you and God is going to envelope you right there. I say Pastor that is me. I need to know you are there. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. I'm beginning to talk to Jesus. I'm about to pray with you. Begin to talk to Jesus. Say, Jesus come into my heart. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. As the deep rest of us, I want us to sing that song to the Lord. Yeah.
raised my hand. I wish I had raised my hand. You can still raise your hand now. And take the card. God bless you. And take the card. We're going to take that song again. The rest of us, I want us to, to say to God, You are my heart desire. You are my heart desire. You are put up that hand, put up your put it up well as the song is going on. And my heart desire.